I wonder if you, uh, if you, when you read that, or was reading or heard it, you thought, oh, yeah, I recognize that. It's one of those passages, isn't it, that we think, oh, yeah, I remember that. I did a series once in, in our previous church called Somewhere in the Bible, Somewhere It Says. Because how many times do we think of passages and think, oh, yeah, somewhere in the Bible it says, <laughs> those famous passages, those famous verses, we can't quite remember where they were. And this is perhaps one of those um, It is for me. Um, I've been away for a few weeks, uh, various things and uh, you've been looking at Philippians. If you've been coming on Sundays here, you've been uh, looking into Philippians already um, and probably already had a, a good overview, um, probably one of Barry's videos about what Philippians is, is all about. But just as a, as a recap anyway, um, it's a letter from Paul to the church in Philippi. There they are at the top. Um, but also to be passed around other churches as well and other people to, to be able to read it. Written about AD 61 when Paul was in prison in Rome, so he's up there in Rome, um, in prison, but writing a joyful letter. I'm not sure if I were in prison, I'd be able to write a joyful letter. I'd be writing, it's horrible, please get me out of here. But Paul's actually writing a joyful letter. But there is a bit of an undercurrent going on here in this letter, that time is running out. Paul's facing possible death penalty. The church was facing a, a massive amount of false teaching and stuff coming in. And there's a real sense that God's clock is just tick, 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 turning towards the hour when he would come again and wrap it all up. They had a real urgent sense that he said he was going to come back and it's going to be soon. I wonder if now that we're 2,000 years on, we've got a bit apathetic. Oh, yeah, yeah, we know, we know he's coming back, but well, it hasn't been for 2,000 years, so it, you know, it, it probably won't be for another day. I wonder if we've got a little bit like that in the church, particularly in the West. We just don't know when he's coming back. Even Jesus didn't know when he was coming back. And so all this is going on, and Paul's writing to this church that he's founded, and be careful of this, and look out for that. Celebrate what's good, what you know. But there's all these, it's just be cautious on this and that. And so if that's the situation, then we're still waiting for Christ 2,000 years. How much more is that situation for us now? Pressures on the church today, just as much as they were for the Philippian church then, if not more. Church in retreat. A lack of unity for the work of gospel amongst churches. And these all prompt questions to ask that Paul addresses in his letters. What, what should be in control of my life? What objectives should control my life? What's the real nature of church? What is church anyway? What's the faith of the church? How do we maintain that? How do we work together with others who perhaps believe something slightly differently? What about God's promises to us? Who is he in our hour of need? How can we enjoy his benefits when we struggle with life's experiences? All these things we find in Paul's letter to the Philippians. And our passage today is classic Paul, especially these first few verses, verses 10 and 11. I want to know Christ. 
and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I want to know Christ. And the knowing here is a real intimate knowing. I want to really, really know Christ. I want to get to know him intimately. And the power of his resurrection. We have different levels of knowing people, don't we? Maybe you might say that you might, oh yeah, yeah, I know Tom Cruise because I've seen him on films a lot and I've seen him in interviews and, and, and I've read about him maybe or read a biography or something. Oh yeah, yeah, I kind of know. We don't really know though. We know about. We might say, oh yeah, I know my colleagues at work. I know that. Oh, yeah, I know him. Talk about, do you know so-and-so? Oh yeah, I know him. How closely do we know? we know our family members? And there's different levels of knowing, isn't there? And that real intimate knowing. I know my spouse and I know my loved ones and all different types of knowing. How well do we know God, not just know about God? Because you can read this book, this collection of books, and end up just knowing about God. We have to let our heart open to that relationship where we would know God, not just know about Him. How well do we think we know God? The story is told that in 1914, the great inventor, Thomas Edison, his laboratory burned down with his equipment and much of his life's work all burnt to ashes. His son and wife we stood there with him, surveying what was going on. And in the silence, Thomas Edison is quoted as saying, there is great value in disaster. All of our mistakes are burned up. Thank God we can start anew. And Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Why does he want to know that? Because there is great value in disaster. All of our mistakes are burned up. Thank God we can start anew. The death of Christ looked like a disaster. But the resurrection of Christ and the power of his resurrection means we start anew. That's why he wants to know it. But why does he then go on to say, and to share in his suffering? Oh, Paul, I wish you hadn't read, written that. Sufferings, sharing in his sufferings by becoming like him in death. I've got enough suffering in my life in the world at the moment. I don't want more suffering because I'm knowing Christ. And it's a difficult one to kind of get to grips with, and I'm not going to delve deep theologically into how being a part of Christ's death, and, but it's all linked somehow. But we're sharing in what Christ went through by how we're treated by the world because of that, because we say that we follow him. Oswald Chambers helpfully puts it, not choosing to suffer, but choosing God's will even if it means suffering. If anyone's ever said to you that being a Christian is easy, then they're probably lying, to be honest. <laughs> 
It's not. It's really tough. But the reward. Fullness of life, yes. But that comes at a cost at times. What did Jesus say to the rich man? Give up all of that. For him, that was suffering. Give up all my money. Give up all that. That's suff- I'm not going to suffer that. We're not necessarily just talking about suffering illness. Suffering. The things that we might hold dear, that we might have to let go of, might be part of our suffering of Christ. With Christ, putting him in that place. But interestingly, note the format that Paul puts this in. Resurrection power before suffering. Resurrection power. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and sharing in his suffering. Ah, but hang on. Christ suffered before the resurrection. So what's going on here? I wonder if Paul wrote that in that way deliberately to remind us of the power of his resurrection is stronger than any suffering we might go through. Alec Mottier, a theologian, wrote a commentary, and he says, For Christ, his resurrection came after his death, but for us, the power of his resurrection is what we experience first. So when we're walking that journey to Christ-likeness and wanting to be like him and wanting to share in his sufferings, okay, that's, maybe we need to think about how we get there, but sharing in his sufferings, or the gospel, we do it already knowing we have the resurrection power to get us through it. We start with the win. We go through the challenge afterwards. We have the strength of the resurrection power to lead us through. And that helps us through the rest of life's sufferings as well, the sickness, the natural disasters, the people being nasty or stupid. Knowing that those things can't have any impact on our eternal life because I've got resurrection power means that we have a different mindset over how we go through life. That's why of all those people that I've spoken to who have perhaps been given a a, a bad medical diagnosis or prognosis, the Christian often sees things very differently. Of course I don't want Of course, I'm sad about leaving my family. Of course, I don't really want to suffer. But I know, I know where I'm going. And I know where my destiny is. And I know that none of those things can take that away from me. And have a different viewpoint. So this is why Paul is comfortable with writing about sharing Christ's sufferings. And he does it numerous times in his letters. Because he's got the antidote to the thing that he's going to suffer. Of course I'm going to suffer because Christ suffered, and so if I relate to him, people are going to treat me in a similar way. But I've also got the antidote, I've also got the resurrection power before I even get that, because nothing else is going to eternally impact me. The goal is to attain the resurrection from the dead and through our faith in Christ and his power of resurrection in us. We can have confidence of that promise of eternal life. So, however that sharing in his resurrection somehow spiritually connects us with Christ, we need to remember that we have the power of the resurrection 
already. And we need not fear. But there's a challenge too as well. But knowing Christ means that we're going to have to make some changes in our life. Verses 12 to 16. Not that I've already obtained this or reached a goal, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made it his own. Beloved, I do not consider I've made, up, I've made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal. Prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature be of the same mind. And if you think differently about anything, this do God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. Paul acknowledges that he's not reached perfection in other passages, in other versions. He's not reached that goal yet. I'm pressing on to this. Hang on a minute. You've got the, the resurrection power. What do you mean you've not attained, you've not reached? He's not talking about, I've, I know my salvation is secure. He's talking about those rewards, those things that God has for me. Those things that he wants me to do. That, and eventually, one day, standing before him and receiving the crown that he has for me. And he urges us to do the same. Leave behind the past, including all our sins and our mistakes, and look for what is before. You know the race analogy. You can picture it, can't you? Think of Usain Bolt and him at the start of his 100 meters, and you can just picture his face. He's not sort of looking around and looking at things over here and looking at that. There. There's my goal. There's my focus. That's where I'm going. Totally focused. Dwelling on past failures can hinder our spiritual progress. The devil will tell us that we're not good enough because of this and because of that and because of that. God can't love you because you do like that. God can't love you because of yesterday. God can't. Okay, I made mistakes. God can love me and he will lead me away from them. Fixing our eyes on the finish line. And the race that gets us there with Christ there. Note, though, that Paul says he's, this is not about being saved. Warren Wiersbe writes, if he were telling us how to be saved, it would be a salvation by works or self-effort. And this would contradict what he just wrote. The goal line is not salvation. It's the fulfillment of that. You've already got the fulfillment of that. In the Greek games at the time that Paul's writing about, you know, when Paul writes, run the race, he doesn't have a, you know, a nice astro running track kind of think of with, but he's thinking of the, the, the Greek games at the time, dusty, cindery, lots of shouting going on. But if you wanted to run for your country, as then, and in the, say, the Olympics now, you have to be a citizen of that country first. Paul didn't run the race to gain his citizenship, to gain that, that secured place in heaven. He did, that wasn't the prize. He had, had that already. You have to have that citizenship of your country to run for your country. He was already a child of God through faith in Christ, but he was running the race to achieve the goals that God had set for him. 
striving toward the goal involves daily surrender and growth in Christ. We need to continually seek his guidance, rely on his strength, press on to what he has for us. Is that your goal? Do you know the power of the resurrection already with you, helping you run that race? And Paul knew this was a long race to run. Not that I've already attained it. Not that I've been made perfect. Not that I've already taken hold of it yet. Of course, Paul is satisfied with knowing Christ and his power of his resurrection, but he's not satisfied with the way his life is, his Christian life. I need to be more like Christ. I can't stop. I've got the power of resurrection. Great. I don't need to do anything else. No, I want to be even more like Christ. And so that's the race I'm running, to be more like him. Striving to grow in Christ-likeness. But remembering that his citizenship is already there in heaven. Verse 17, brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ and have often told of them, now I tell you, even with tears, their end is destruction. Their God is the belly and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. They're the ones distracted in the race. But our citizenship is in heaven. And it is from there we're expecting a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation so it may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that also enables him to make things subject to him. As Christians, our identity and our allegiance belongs to the kingdom of heaven, not to this earthly world. And that's really hard to sometimes get to grips with because this is where I live. This is where my body is. This is where I am. But actually, I've accepted Christ. This is not home. My home is with him. We're ambassadors living in a different land now. And it has implications on how we live our lives. An ambassador, someone who is there on behalf of the country that sent them. I've done a number of things in different countries, Georgia and various other places, Jordan and things, and worked with the ambassadors who were there. The person that at the time it was the queen, now the king, sends and says, I want you to go to that country on behalf of me, be my ambassador. So they don't just go and do nothing. They're, they're there to do things, to promote the king, to promote the country, to be on behalf of, to speak on behalf of. We're ambassadors. Our citizenship is in heaven. And here on earth, we are here to promote and to, to speak on behalf of and to tell people about, to be ambassadors. Our values, our priorities should reflect the values of heaven. I spoke to the, uh, the men's group on Monday night, a um, small little group of us together, about what it means to be an army chaplain. Um, and one question someone asked was about how I witnessed to people about Jesus. And my response was um, very much I said, I don't stand on the street corner as they're coming into work and, and kind of have the Bible and say, you know, you must believe this and you must believe this. It's not about street preaching. Very much, it's about how I live my life more than what I say. 
of course I will talk about Jesus. And, and interestingly, people expect me to as well. And people know that when I'm there, you'll hear some language and someone will notice it's me. And, oh, sorry, Padre. So there's a recognition that there's something different about me being there. And I will tell them about Jesus if, they, you know, if I get the opportunity and it's the right time and place. But mostly, it's about my life. And what I don't say, perhaps, what I don't do, and how I'm witnessing to Christ all the time. Evangelism, I believe, is a gift of the Holy Spirit. But not everyone is gifted in that way. But we're all witnesses to him. One of the Psalms was about witnessing to what God has come and see, what God has done, the good things God has done. And that's what we're called to do. Tell people about what God has done in our life. To live slightly differently to everyone else. We're all witnesses. We're ambassadors in a strange land. And when our minds have that heavenly focus, it gives us a different perspective on the things of the earth. Uh, Johnny Erickson Tada once said, when a Christian fully realizes their citizenship is in heaven, they begin to act as a responsible citizen of earth. When you know you've got the ticket to the game later on today in France, wouldn't that be nice? You can act confidently about going to the game, and, and you've got that ticket to get you in, and so the way you act that day is going to be different to if you just like, well, I don't have a ticket. Oh, I might be able to get in, I might not be able to get in. I'm not sure how I'm going to act. When we realize that our citizenship is in heaven, the way I live my life on earth should be different. We have a different focus and a different goal. And just to remind us of the goal once again, Paul writes that Christ will transform us to be like his glorious body. This offers hope and assurance. Our journey doesn't end with death. It ends with eternity with our Savior. How well today would we say we know How well today would we say we're running the race? Or am I being distracted? Am I losing my focus? How well today would we say, I understand what it means to be a citizen of heaven and an ambassador on earth? Because these are the challenges that Paul throws at us. But remember as well that when you face tough times, particularly because you're a Christian, you've already got the power of the resurrection there. Hold on to 